Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the All Saints podcast. I can't tell you how excited I am about this week's podcast. I had the opportunity to go and visit Delana Brooks at the Pregnancy Help Centre of Fort Worth. Delana is the director of the Pregnancy Help Centre. She's got a whole bunch of staff there, mostly volunteers, including a fairly large and growing number of volunteers from All Saints. So some of you, you know who you are. I'd love to talk with you at some point, maybe even on this podcast, about the work that um, uh, you found it possible to do there. But it's a truly wonderful ministry. I've known a little bit about it, of course, for a, a few years, certainly ever since I came here in 2020 and uh, also before that. But really just going there and seeing what they're doing was quite extraordinary. And hearing Delana talk about what they're doing was a real eye-opener. So what I've got for you today is an interview that I recorded with Delana Brooks, and uh, I'm very, very sure you'll find that really illuminating. We touch on all kinds of different things, the, the work they do, um, some thoughts on kind of the strategy, how the work of the Pregnancy Help Centre fits into a broader uh, movement from the church's perspective, seeking to uh, spread justice in the world around us, in a, a world where we see the injustice and wickedness of abortion? How do we actually effectively engage in such a way that we're not just protesting, but we're actually likely to help the situation and bring about biblical justice? Um, there's also one extra thing. We got to the end of the interview and Delana said, oh, I forgot something. I forgot to say something, uh, which was she wanted to send a special message to the congregation, you guys um, at All Saints. And I just thought, well, okay, uh, we can't really go back and redo the interview. So I just clicked my recorder on again and said, well, off you go, uh, go ahead. So she's got a, a particular message, actually a message of thanks to the congregation at All Saints uh, for, uh, well, I'll let her explain in her own words. So what you're about to hear first, it will be Delana's uh, message, the particular message to folks at All Saints. And then you'll cut straight to the interview with uh, me talking with Delana about the work of the uh, Pregnancy Help Centre of Fort Worth. One final comment, if this is something that prompts within you the thought, oh, I'd love to help, I'd love to serve, I'd love to support, there are all kinds of ways in which you could do all those three things. Um, uh, if you want to support financially, please just let me know or just get in touch with them directly. There are actually fundraising events. Uh, there's a fundraising event at the beginning of November and there are other regular fundraising opportunities, but they'd never turn away donations. They, they su survive entirely on donations. And of course, uh, it may be that uh, you feel uh, the sense of uh, maybe you could actually help personally as a volunteer. And there are other volunteers in the church at All Saints. And I encourage you to give me a shout or and I can introduce you to one of them if you don't know who they are. Or maybe if you do know who they are, you could just talk to them personally. But anyway, I, I'm very sure you'll find this a very illuminating, quite stirring uh, interview. Uh, I really enjoyed talking with Delana, and it's just mind-blowing what the Lord is doing through them up there at the Pregnancy Help, Pregnancy Help Center of Fort Worth. And so without further ado, I give you Delana Brooks, the director of the Fort Worth Pregnancy Help Center. God bless, and bye for now. Okay, I just want to thank you and your wonderful church. Um, it You guys have been such a blessing. Um, purchasing our ultrasound machine, um, it's a 3D ultrasound machine, and the number of lives that have been saved, unbelievable. I can't even begin to tell you. To see and hear the baby's heartbeat, that is one thing that every one of our clients, when she comes to our center, to be able to have the chance to see and hear her heartbeat and it is so clear, 
It is so unbelievable. At five and a half to six weeks, that heartbeat is strong. It is beating. We can see it clear and crisp. You see the arms, the legs, and that would not be possible if it were not for your church. And then the 3D, I don't know how many of you have seen a 3D ultrasound, but oh my goodness, the facial features to see everything. Yes. Um, That woman is sitting there looking at that baby, knowing that that is a, um, a baby, not a clump of cells, but a, a love, a lovely baby. And it's the first time she's being introduced to her child right Mm -hmm. through that ultrasound machine. And so it was um, all saints Presbyterian, your church that just, donated and y'all have such a, a heart of love and give giving. So, I mean, that's not the only things you guys have done. I mean, that was incredible as it was, right. But um, all the donations and the volunteers, mm-hmm. we're just so grateful for you. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you do and for all the love that you've shown. We are so grateful. Okay. Well, I'm here with Delana Brooks, who is the director of the Pregnancy Help Centre in Fort Worth. Is that your correct title? That director? is, yes. Donna Brooks, thank you very much for having me uh, to visit your facility today. Um, as many of you will know, Delana um, is a, a passionate advocate for the unborn and for mothers of children who are uh, unsure what to do. They become pregnant, they don't know what to do. And the Pregnancy Help Centre of Fort Worth, I think, would this be a fair description? It exists to help pregnant mums to choose life. Yes, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about, well, I'd love to hear your personal story first, then, then perhaps we can get on to what, what the Pregnancy Help Centre does. But tell us a little bit about yourself, because you have a really remarkable story, your life. It'd be, be worth us hearing a bit about that, if you wouldn't yes. mind. No, I don't mind. Um, so this is a more than a job. Uh, I love this ministry. I love this um, role that I've been blessed to um, lead the center. But um, it really started back um, when I was adopted. So my parents, my my birth mother was pregnant with me, and she went to an abortionist to have an abortion. Uh, my father went with her. So they found a doctor. It was before Roe v. Wade. It was right. 1970, so it was a few years before right. it was legalized. Um, but they found a doctor willing to do the abortion. And right. they went, paid the money, had it done. And um, something went terribly wrong for the doctor that day, um, but terribly right for <laughs> right me. <laughs> I lived. Yeah. And so, and then I was placed for adoption um, in right. a loving home with four brothers. My parents had four biological boys. Right. And then they adopted me. Um, just crazy. Um, they went to several adoption agencies that laughed at them and said, you have four, why are you coming for more? (laughs) Right. Um, and they were like, why not? Right. Why not? Right. And so they, um, was surprised. Um, my, my father more surprised. My mother had been faithfully praying, um, and had faith and belief that she would have another baby. And she did. So, um, so you got four big brothers to look after. I do, you. <laughs> yes, yes. And it, the the funny part of that was because I'm pretty, um, I don't know. I would always entertain my brothers. So right. I was yeah. kind of loud and the funny one. And they were most of them are introverted. Um, hmm. one, one brother not so much, but the rest are quiet, shy, shy, quiet. Yeah. Um, and my parents are as well. Right. So um, they didn't know what they were getting. So they got this they, whirlwind called Right, <laughs> right. That's right. So uh, yeah, wonderful. and it worked out great for both of us because I would entertain and they they didn't yeah. mind. They would. That's great. They watched, right? <laughs> so, 
Um, so, you know, fast forward into my twenties um, and I was married and um, I was pregnant and that's when I really, I knew that I was adopted. They always told me that I was adopted, but um, just going through that pregnancy myself and having my son really caused me to think about my biological mother mm. and what she had gone through. I didn't mm. know the story. I didn't know that she had wow. the abortion. I but didn't I know. Okay. Well, yeah, she had, didn't know any of that. You. Right, yeah. right. Um, so I went to a judge and requested my records to be opened. So they, I had a mediator who found my birth mother and asked her if she would like to meet with me. Right. And she agreed. And so because of that, I was my able goodness. to meet with her. And through that, that meeting with her and conversations with her, that's when I was able to find out that she actually had had an abortion. I guess. So not even your adoptive parents knew those circumstances? They did not know. One wonders how many similar circumstances like that are just hidden and never discovered. Right. Absolutely. Because I have to say, before hearing your story, which I heard for the first time a couple of years ago, I think, but before hearing that, I didn't even know that this was a medical possibility. Right. Um, but right. if I'm right, I know you've mentioned this to me before, there are reasonably large numbers of people who survived failed abortions. If yes. that almost feels rhetorically the one, you know, by God's grace, they lived right, right. when death was on the agenda for them. Yes, that's right. 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 There's um, abortion. So the terminology for that is abortion survivor. Right. Wow. Um, and there is an organization, uh, a lady who's an abortion survivor like myself, and she started a nonprofit called Abortion Survivor Network. Mm. And her goal was to find those like me. Um, she wanted to see a number. Right. She wanted to gather us together and put a face to the unborn. Right. To put a face that, no, we're not just a clump of cells. Right. Right. We, we are Correct. alive. Yeah. Right. And God yeah. created us. Yeah. And there's a reason and purpose for us. And um, so, you know, I, I don't know the exact number right now, but I know there's hundreds, if not thousands I think there's about 700. I don't want to. Um, I don't mm. want to give a number right sure. off the bat because I could be wrong. Um, but she's working to do that. And and another kind of thought too is that it wasn't just in my day before Roe v. Wade or even right, immediately right, after. Right. There's still abortion survivors even today that are right. happening. There's still women who are having an abortion and their babies are living. And then there's those that are just unaccounted for. Right. 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 Those that were adopted yeah. that. Their, their adopted parents didn't know, right? Right? Wow. They didn't have the story. So it's it, a lot. It, it's, it's striking because it suggests to me that what, what we've got actually going on in our society is um, that the abortion industry presents this very sanitized face. Abortion is healthcare. It's a routine procedure. It's like getting a tetanus injection. Um, uh, you know, nothing to see here, move on. Whereas not only is that just a profound and destructive lie, actually there's um, there's this trail of different kinds of damage that um, uh, is being picked up and fixed piece by piece in some cases like this. Yes. Um, the, the reality is far, far more messy than even most people who are pro-life might imagine. Right. That's absolutely true. And even the, the babies that do survive, many of them, most of them, many of them have some medical problem. Right. They have something that they're dealing with. You'd expect that, that given yes. the procedure. Right. right. So tell us a bit about um, how you made the step of like, getting involved in or starting mm -hmm. this Pregnancy Help Center. 
and and what kind of things what do you try to do here take us through that okay well this this center here started in 1986 so we've been here a while um i've been here going on nine years Mm -hmm. um as the director and we exist like you said to help women who are facing an unplanned pregnancy Right. right and so they come to us they either find us through um google that's a a pretty popular way for them right. when they're panicking, they're finding out they're pregnant, no they're not sure, yeah. right? So they Google where to go, what to do, and um, they find us. So they come through the door. Sometimes it's word of mouth. Sometimes a friend will tell them mm. about us. Yeah. Yeah. So they come in. We provide a pregnancy test for them. We want to confirm the pregnancy. So we do a pregnancy test. We set up an appointment for them to have an ultrasound. Right. And so uh, we have we have volunteers and staff. We train them. So we have a training um, program that they go through to mm. equip them to know how to step in that role of just being a compassionate, loving mm. person for, yeah. for her. So when she comes in, she's already in a state of crisis. Yes. yes she yes. her levels of fear are high. There's anxiety. Yeah. Um, she before the pregnancy, many times she was already maybe struggling with depression or mm. even abuse and trauma from her own life. So when she comes in the door, we want her to feel rest and peace. Mm-hmm. We want her to feel love. We have about 45 minutes with her. Right. By the time we start the appointment of the pregnancy test, scheduling her ultrasound, we have a packet of information we give her right. of resources. Um, there's a period of just listening. Yeah, just trying to hear what, what right. the situation is. Yeah. Right. We want to hear her. Um, we want to pause. We want to give her time to actually feel heard and loved and valued. We go through that appointment. We have conversations about her family. We find out about the father of the baby. Is he mm-hmm. involved? Yeah. He might be the, the very one pushing her, telling her she needs to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. It could be her parents. It could be her mother that's telling her she needs to have an abortion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it could be her friends at school that are telling her that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the girls in our this generation of childbearing age, they don't know life before abortion. Their whole right. life has been abortion. Yeah. It's been this kind of contraceptive last resort, effectively, yes. that has been viewed right. in society. And not not yeah. only, yes, and even a, a noble thing to do. Right, right. Because yes. like, I've got to provide in the future for my family. I've got to get an education, etc., yes. etc. Et right. And it's, it's, it's so difficult because you end up with the confusion that arises from people playing off uh, good things against the, cho- the choice to continue with the pregnancy. Which right, is thing, right. Really. Yes. Um, and it's... It's that confusion that I think uh, most seems to me to saturate the public discussions of these issues. People, right. people can't um, see with sufficient clarity. Like this is a, this is a human being. Right. Please, can we put that center stage and work out yes. how to deal with that? Situation? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it, it, it strikes me just a couple of things from what you've said. I mean, first up. Um, I have on my agenda at some point in the future, and I've not even mentioned this to them yet. But there, are, there are a number of ladies. Um, at All Saints, yes. uh, who over the years and even now have volunteered here. And I want to talk to them at some point about their experiences mm-hmm. here, if they're able to do so. But it, but it'd be worth just entering a comment here. Um, it's quite likely, isn't it, that maybe somebody listening to this podcast even, or certainly a friend of somebody listening to this podcast, might at some point find themselves in that unexpected crisis pregnancy situation. Right? Um yes. Uh, what would you want to say to somebody in that position? If, if, if they were thinking, I could go to the PHC, I could just go straight to the abortion place. What would you want to say? 
I would, I would want to say, please come to us first. Um, because for one thing, whenever, when they, when women come to us, we care for them in such a deep way that I think it's even surprising, it's surprising to even them. Right. 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 They're, you actually love them. We love them. Right, we, right. we really, we do love that unborn baby. We care for that unborn baby. We want her to choose life, but she too is made in the image of God. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She is lovely. She is um, cared for. And many times the women that we see are wounded. Yes. They've yeah. been traumatized themselves. They've yeah. been abused themselves. Yeah. And we want them to feel that when you go to an abortion clinic, um, it's about money. Right. They, they have they have right. it's they a have money funding. driven. Right. It's yeah. a dri- yeah. money driven. And they really, truly will not. It's it, the irony in that is because they will tout we're pro-choice and a woman needs to have a right. Mm. But in reality, there's no options given to them when right. they go to the abortion clinic. It's as though they're treating her as though she's already made the choice right. by going there. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I've, I've had women come here um, after they went there and they said, I wanted to go to get hear my options and they right. wouldn't give me options. They gave them one option. One option was abortion. And right. when they realized that I, I really wanted other options they didn't want to even have a conversation right, right, about right, adoption. Right, right. They didn't want to have a conversation about parenting. It was only abortion. Because they're not going to get, it's horrible to say, isn't it? But they're not going to get the, how many hundred and something dollars from the federal government, um, uh, pre-Dobbs, I don't know what the situation is now, that they would get for the, for the abortion if the woman chooses to keep the baby and put it up for adoption. Well, and as, yes, and, as, and, and actually... When they would go, depending on the clinic, depending on how well they they how they worked with their Medicaid or things like that, right. many times the women didn't have Medicaid even set up. Right, right. right? right. So that when she went, they needed to have the money. We need the money now, oh and so they weren't. And there was kind of this push of you know this is this abortion is from ten uh, from you know three weeks to ten weeks. Right. This is what we do, and this is what it costs. And then yes. after. 10 weeks or 12 weeks, right. it's going to cost the this much. The bill will much. go up. Right, right. right. So, and yeah. so they would even, and even for a pregnancy test and an ultrasound, I mean, it was $100 just for an ultrasound um, wow. for, for that. And, and a lot of people, that's test. just not money they have. They, they don't have that, money. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they can come here, get a free mm-hmm. pregnancy test, get a free ultrasound. You know, now the laws have changed some yes. since then, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so, um, and that's something we can talk about later yeah, if you sure. want to. But um, they're able to get... Um, you know, we have a packet of resources. Mm, so yes. we want to find out, you know, where where she's at, if she, it, what what help she does need. Yes, yes. So we want yeah. to help her. We, we'll connect her with other resources in our community mm, that yeah. are there to help her. And it, just just one final thought, and then I want to hear, hear you talk about the resources here because I've seen them. They're just wonderful. Yeah. But it strikes me as there's a really remarkable parallel between what you're doing and what um, pastors try and do in lots yes. of contexts where people come to us and they know they've made a mistake, right? right? They know they've made choices which are bad choices. A single girl age 16 who's yes. pregnant, she might be pregnant because she's just made some bad choices. In many cases, right. aren't And the sense I get here is the sense that uh, as a pastor, I'm trying to give people, I'm not here to make you feel guilty, right? You feel guilty already. Right. And there's no shame in, in coming and saying, I don't know what to do, please right. help. And actually it's a real joy as a pastor because you you know that that's the first step somebody needs to take to to get this the shit on an even keel yes. again for somebody to come here and know there is no shame there is no guilt <laughs> you, you already know that you know you know the background you know what's happened right. 
but there's nobody going to be making you feel bad. We're here to help you. We love you. Yes. It's just so valuable. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's no judgment. Right. 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 right, right. We, we care for you. Yeah. We yeah. love you. There's no place for that. Right. That's wonderful. Right. right. Now, now talk to us about the, um, the actual facilities you have here, because that really, to my mind, puts um, love in action. I, you, I was walking around seeing this room full of, well, you explain the, the room that you showed me with a tree on the wall. Yes. Just, just tell us what's in there. So that's a baby boutique, and right. um, we love it. It has on the left side, but left and right are filled with baby clothes, bottles, right. um, just all kinds of baby items, blankets, bibs. Whites, shampoos, lotions, right. all, the all, things all the things you need. You need. Yes. That, that most people, let's be honest, praise God, most people listening to this will, who've had children will think, well, my, my husband bought those for mm-hmm. my child or my, my parents bought them for me or my sister came around with a whole van load or we had a baby shower and yes. all my relatives and friends came. So the ladies who are coming here, what, they don't have that, right? They don't have that. No, as a matter of fact, last week we had a mom who chose life and she came in with her baby and she was so taken back. She <laughs> asked how much does how much do does these cost how much do these cost? <laughs> and Jeanette, um, one of our staff yeah. here, said, you know, it's free. It's and free. she broke down and started crying. Because nobody had ever given offered her. No. That. No yeah. one had ever offered that. And she could not believe that we would give it to her right. for free. Right. And the similar when we we give Bibles to our clients as well. At some point mm-hmm. during the con- towards the end of her appointment, we'll have a conversation about faith. We ask if we can pray with her. Mm-hmm. We um, will share scriptures with her. Yes, we yes. present the gospel. If she if she we ask her permission. We ask if we have um, if she will allow that for a conversation mm-hmm. and and praise the Lord. Most of the time they say mm-hmm. yes. Most of the time, the women are eager to have conversations with us. Right, right. They're, yes. they're hungry for truth. And probably they don't, in many cases, there must be lots of different scenarios people come from, but it's easy to imagine that in many of those scenarios, people don't have somebody to talk to. If they have somebody they to talk to, that would probably help, right? right. But if they feel alone, um, it was a, a man they met once at a party, and right. now they're ashamed to tell their parents or something like that. Right. They've got nobody. Right. Yeah, I right. like that. It's just great. It's just right. wonderful to see. And just in a broader context, I've often thought that um, parachurch ministries, so to speak, that is to say um, specialist ministries that bring together lots of churches yes. to focus on a particular goal, yes. they work most effectively in these kinds of areas where real specialist expertise is needed mm-hmm. as a kind of outpost of lots of churches um, I know we're right. one of many churches that have supported the PHC yes. over the years. And it's for the church, we really should see it as part of our ministry, so to speak, delegated to you. Yes. Um, and I know you have, I mean, I've spoken about the volunteers before. Uh, and uh, we should just say now, if, if anybody listening to this wanted to volunteer to serve anyway, male or female, we'll get to the, the men and women thing at some point as well, because we talked about that. Um, would you, are you interested in having volunteer help or other kinds of help here yes absolutely right Right. and but most of those roles i mean we have when i when i refer to a client advocate that's a volunteer who meets with the girl the young woman who comes in and she goes to the appointment with her Mm -hmm. i mean she does the pregnancy test she meets with her Mm -hmm. um gives her the resources just does she does the whole appointment with her um that's a client advocate and so and we've had several from your church that has come in and um, you know, serve and yes, just yes, such yes. a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a front desk. So the person who right. greets the, the woman, and I don't know 
how many of you have been to a doctor's office where maybe a woman is less than friendly at the front (laughs) desk, maybe, or maybe those that are really friendly. And it can make a difference. Your, your, how you, um, feel about that appointment really can contribute a lot to how you're treated and received when you first walk Mm -hmm. in the door. And so when she walks in the door, we want, um, anyone who greets her that first, that first appointment, that first contact to be warm and loving and kind and caring. That's great. So that's a volunteer role as well. We have administrative um, organization, filing, yeah. paperwork type things. Because it's quite a big facility you've got here. There's lots yes. of offices as well yes. as all the clinical rooms and so on, right. meeting spaces. Yeah. Right. We, if, you, if you're a nurse, if, if there's any nurses wow. yeah. right, uh, or sonographers that are already trained, if you're a nurse um, and you might say, well, I've never done an ultrasound, I've never done that. Well, we, pr- we have a training that we will send you through mm-hmm. to get you trained. So you have an ultrasound here? We have we, we send it, we have a lady that we work with an organization mm-hmm. that she provides training for pregnancy centers right. for the, the ultrasound training for the nurses. Right. So we do require them to be a nurse, and then they go through the training to, right. to become. And so that means that a, a lady who's um, experiencing a crisis, unexpected pregnancy, she can come in. She can have an ultrasound scan right here. Yes. And 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 so somebody can then hold her hand, walk through there. Okay, here's the situation. Here's the baby. Um, baby's seven weeks old. And so on. Um, you, you even mentioned at one point um, uh, a doctor who is uh, linked with your with the ministry here. Tell me he a bit is. about that. Doctor Zapata. Mm-hmm. He's our medical right. director, right. and um, he's incredible. So he comes in typically on Thursdays. He comes in one day a week, and he looks over all the scans. He has trained our nurses personally. He's wow. gone through right. and given his expertise um, one on one with our nurses. So even though they're trained, they've already gone to through the ultrasound training. He still works with them and even gives them more um, one-on-one training to even to make sure everything is excellent. We want everything yeah. to be done. You know, if his name is on that that um, paperwork, because yeah. we also fax the um, we send over the um, report to their doctor once they get a doctor. Right. Yeah. So um, he just wants to make sure everything is done correctly and just to have that ultrasound too. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, to be able to see the heartbeat, to see the mm-hmm, baby, to mm-hmm. see, because many times they themselves will feel it's not really developed. It's not a baby yet. Right. Right. Yes. And because it's hard to detach yourself from the kind of secular media picture, which is pushing a certain narrative, isn't it? Right. Even after yes. Dobbs. Yes. The narrative oh, is yeah. still there. It's just right. like, guys, didn't you? The Supreme Court has ruled on this. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So for them to even, and, and as early as six weeks, even um, we've been able to even see and hear a heartbeat before six weeks. Before six weeks. Right. You've got some high-tech equipment here. Yes, right? we do. And, and it really puts the lie to this idea. And you do hear this in, in some of the more toxic parts of the media where there are these slurs directed at pregnancy help centers. Like, yes. it's not proper medical care. Uh, they don't have specialists. They don't know what they're doing. Um, really, what it is that you're doing is you're offering women the choice that those other facilities are not offering. That's right. The one thing that they'll do is end the life of the child. Yes. Um, what you will do is to say, look, well, here's the situation. Here are your options. And more than that, it's like we can help you with choosing life. Yes, absolutely. Make it a possibility for people for whom it would have seemed impossible. Right. Yeah. Because many times they are feeling absolutely hopeless. Right. And in reality, there's this false this false belief that... Um, that's reality, that that hopelessness yes. will be it's forever. Yeah, yeah. And it's not. And we've seen that yes. over and over of women who do choose life, who who were in those pits of despair and depression and hopelessness. And then yeah. they're six months out, a year out, and they're coming back saying thank you. Right. 
My because, life is not hopeless. My not my life was yeah, not over. Because they've got through that the, the valley of the shadow. You know, yes. I can even remember that. Nothing like as intense as some of the ladies who come here must feel. But when when we were expecting our first baby, Ben, and then when he was born, we were Nicole and I, my wife, we were. I wouldn't say overwhelmed, but it yes. did feel overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Um, right. And I can't. I just can't imagine what it would be like for a woman, even if she knew in her heart of hearts that. To, to end the baby's life would be wrong to face that alone so for her to have you guys and perhaps connections with other churches yes. and uh, to say look we can we can walk through this with you we can show you how to yes. be a great mum yes. and to to raise this baby as your own yes absolutely and they they feel that they mm. really truly mm. feel that um yeah. they are able to leave here and know because we tell them this is not just an appointment in the sense that you can come in one time and mm. here's this appointment and, and it's over. Yeah, yeah. No, you can text us. You, you can, can call us anytime. You can yeah. come in. You Great. can come in at any time and walk through our doors That's really and we're here for you. Yeah. And it's funny because when I first came in here, you know, it's the first time I've come in here. Right. And there was that little bit of, I wonder what it's going to be like. And yes. I'm walking through the door and I get the biggest smile and hi, welcome. And clearly somebody knew that I was coming yes. and welcome yes. and they knew who I was because my name's on the appointment or something. And so I don't know who's on the front desk, but she's doing a great job. Yeah, so. Shirley is up there and Connie. <laughs> right, wonderful. Right, yeah. right. Let me um, just transition to, to heal thoughts on something else. Um, as a pastor, I talk to lots of people in the congregation, men and women, who are really exercised about this issue of abortion. And one of the the ways that conversation can sometimes go is, is something like this. It's like, look, Pastor Jeffrey, um, can you imagine anything more uh, wicked than butchering an unborn child? And it's like, well, I can't, actually. I really can't mm-hmm. think of much worse than that. So this is a, a vile and despicable moral outrage. It's a stain on our nation's life. Um, the people who do it, are murderers um, and the church's responsibility is to stand up and call a spade a spade as we say back in England I don't know whether you have an equivalent expression in Texas I think probably there is one um, uh, let rip with all of the invective and moral fury of the prophet Amos mm. um, and I at one level I want to say look I, I hear you and there's nothing about the evils of abortion that I want to downplay and the the appalling ways in which financial incentives and wicked ideologies kind of blend to produce what we've had for the last five decades and more. But you, the approach you take here seems to me to be um, a different approach. It's... Um, you, you're not telling ladies and a husband, when a husband or a boyfriend or a partner comes in, or sometimes they do, you're not saying, well, um, you're contemplating a moral outrage. You know, So what is it? Can, can you talk us through how you see that issue? Um, what would you want to say, for example, to somebody who said, who's a, the, the sidewalk counsellor, you know, who's hurling invective at people driving into an abortion facility what's your take on that and i've realized that's a big question yes. and i'll put you on the spot and i'm yeah. doing it deliberately because i want to hear i want to have people who i talk to hear you 
with your experience on this issue? Right. So. No, that's a great question. Um, because I, like you, can feel those same right. feelings, right? Yeah. Um, because there's this um, in us that everything that you just said is absolutely correct, right? right? right. It, it is an horrendous. Outrage. It's horrendous, too, yeah. right? Um, but we also have to look at what is the out- outcome and what is the goal? Mm-hmm. What is our goal for wanting to, to um, have those words of, like you said, those shouting or, or confronting, right? right. What, it, what, what is the goal? Is it to, to make me feel better, right? Because I just spoke truth right. and God would be proud of me and happy for me for right. speaking truth. And, and maybe that is a good thing, right? Because right. Right? you don't want to speak lies, right? Right. don't want to speak lies. You want to speak truth. And, yes. and this is a horrendous thing. So I need to be vocal and I need to. Um, but the reality of it is in that case with that person that we're sitting in front of, that right. woman right. or right. that boyfriend, is the goal to save that baby's life. Right. 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 His or her life. That's mm. in that moment. We want that to be the outcome. We want right. her to choose life. Right. We want the boyfriend to choose life. We want them to make that choice for that child to be born. Mm. And when you're attacking someone, because that really is seen as an attack, yes. whether yes. you meant even whether you meant it to be that way or maybe mm. you do mean it to be that way. That person is mm. being perceived. It is being perceived as you are attacking me. Right. So right. there's the defenses that go up. They're going to shut down. They're mm-hmm. turning their ears off. They're not going to hear anything that you have to say. Right. right? It's a defensive mechanism of they're going to fight you. Mm-hmm. They're going to come back and argue with you. Or um, how dare you? You don't know my situation. Right. Which you, you don't. Right? right. You don't. You don't pay my bills. You mm-hmm. don't know the life that I lead. You don't yes. know yes. the shoes that I wear. You don't know where I just came from. Yeah. You don't know what tomorrow looks like for me. Yeah. Yeah. And yet you're sitting here telling me what to do. Yeah. And it, it, it ends up becoming a, a fight. Yeah. It can become a, a war of how are you judging me when you don't know me? Yeah. Yeah. And it ends up just becoming it's not productive. Right. That, right. that life of that child is, you might feel that everything that you're doing is going to result, the end result will end up, mm. I, if I just say this one thing, then right. they'll choose life. And maybe you get the kind of one in a hundred situation where somebody does turn around That's and right. you get... And, right. But it's interesting the point you made before we begin this recording. Um, the the research evidence suggests that actually, on balance, the confrontational approach isn't so good. That's it just right. doesn't it produce doesn't the outcomes. It does not on the at the same level. Even if it does work just occasionally, right. doesn't produce the outcomes on the same level that the approach you're advocating does. Right, absolutely, yeah. and that is research. They have there. There is a, a pro life organization that right. um, they started about the year that we started. Um, and um, sorry about my phone no, lines sorry. ringing in the yeah. background. I well, didn't busy silence. Lady. Yeah, Don't worry about it. <laughs> didn't silence my my office phone. Yeah. Um, that they have researched on why women choose abortion right, and. Right, right. What are the reasons and how can we approach them? Mm. What are the best tactics? What is what will work the best, right? right. right? Yes. And and that is for her, for her to feel cared and heard and valued. Mm. Because if she can come in and feel that we care for her, we right. love her, right. as soon as she's talking and she starts to tell us, tell us her problems or the trials or the things that she's going through, um, if we just shut her down or dismiss mm. her, then she will not hear or receive the words and the truth that we have to say about her right, unborn baby. Right. Yeah. But if she can feel loved and cared and valued, yes. they really care for me. Mm. Once mm. she accepts and sees that we really care for her, then her walls come down. Yes. Yeah. We can see a shift 
in, yeah. in the counseling, in the consultation rooms. We can see, see a shift in her right. of That's this person really cares for me. So you see almost like a change in demeanor during those. Yes. So what's intriguing about that? I mean, just thinking about it from a, trying to analyze that theologically. Mm-hmm. I think um, there's a distinction between declaring justice and bringing about justice. So declaring justice is the you know state the truth yes. in the way most calculated to clearly articulate it in a, a sea of lies. But bringing about justice is something slightly different. It has to do with outcomes. And you see this pastorally where, frankly, um, if, if, I want, if I'm a pastor and I'm trying to help somebody to see that they should change their behaviour, the way that I do it is not by banging their head on my desk a few times and just saying change right. and shouting in their ear and just and it, even if I were to say scream all the bible verses at them as loudly as I can that articulate the let's say um, the way they're relating to their wife is is ungodly if I just what I really need to do is try to help them to embrace for themselves and to feel themselves the the change in perspective they need it's, it's actually a lot of pastoral ministry is about persuasion yes. rather than just declaration. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's the declaration that gets the clickbait in the headlines and yes. looks impressive. Yes. Whereas if, if you're, the research you're citing seems to suggest that it's, it's the persuasion that works. Yes. Um, it is a persuasion that right, works. Right. And we still do tell them that, you know, abortion, that the side effects of abortion the right, risk right. of abortion. So it's the we truth. Do. It right. is the truth, right? We do talk about what abortion really is, mm-hmm. what happens really during abortion. Yes. Um, we have we have videos that we show that are um, educational, that are medical, um, right, they're right. medically based videos from actually previous abortionists that have now turned pro-life that say, right. I will no longer do this practice. Yeah. So there's some videos that we show. So we do, we do instill truth. We do instill all of these things, um, but it's after we've already made a connection of love and compassion mm. and care and persuasion. And even yes, yes. in even um, we, we don't want you to hurt because research shows that women regret that women have trauma after an abortion. Right. Right. right? right. There there's um, that, that thing that we, we don't want her to feel that we mm, don't want yeah. her to live with years of regret and pain. Yes. And so we, we approach it that way. Yeah. And, and you can only do that if you actually care. It's like, right. this is the thing that strikes me is again and again, the, people will sniff out very quickly if you're just doing a job on them. Absolutely. Like, we're trying to show you that we care. You know, no, you actually have to care. You actually have to care. <laughs> really. Yes. yes. <laughs> you have to put your skin in the game. Yes. Money on the line, time and energy and effort and love for these people. Um, and, they, and you're right, like children can tell. They can yeah, yeah, sense, yeah. right? They, they know sense. motives. Yeah. They and, know. Yeah, and that's especially true. I mean, you've spoken about um, uh, adoption and fostering, mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. Um, and we've had conversations on other occasions about people whose experience of foster care wasn't all that it ought to have been. And, right. and children grow up to adults deeply embittered and affected by that. And by contrast, children who are adopted in contexts or fostered in contexts where they're loved, they can tell. You know, they know. Yes, they know. Yeah. I wonder as well if there is a... And just back to the issue about confronting the evils of our culture, it just somehow feels so overwhelming sometimes. People, f- they almost feel like they want to just scream. You know, right. it is, it is, 
every time I try and find words to describe some of the evils mm. in our culture, mm. abortion particularly, yeah. you just think, no, nah, that's too weak. We, I need stronger words. And you get to a point where, and, and particularly I think for men, I think, mm. men not, not uniquely, but I, I, right. I think it's probably a temptation for men just to feel like, kind of headbutt to the face is the only approach mm-hmm. here. And mm-hmm. I, I noticed that a, a while ago, somebody cited um, uh, the prophet Amos and and the Lord Jesus and a couple of other Old Testament prophets and said, look, this is how the Lord teaches us to use this vigorous language to denounce evil. And I said, yeah, but just notice every single time those righteous men are speaking to God's people. Mm-hmm. this isn't God showing us how to speak to the world this is yes. God speaking to us right, right? right. so if we we have to become the kind of men and women of such unimpeachable integrity and love that then we're able to do the kind of thing you're talking about where we actually do love this mm-hmm. let's say um, uh, a man and a woman who walk in they're not married they have been very foolish and they're actually contemplating murder and you have to love them right right, right. Right. If we can do that, right? That's, I mean, this is what you do every week, Absolutely. and it's just, it just—it blows me away. Absolutely, and we do, and we do have to love them. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a high percentage of women that choose life, right? right? We yeah, do. Um, we have a high percentage, but there are the small percentage that choose abortion, right? Yeah. And um, we do love them because um, stats show that they will get pregnant again. Right. Right. And many times, many times they they will do that because there is such a sense of shame and regret. They wish they had not had the abortion. Um, It's almost uh, they want to try to undo what they did. Right. And somehow another pregnancy will make that happen. Oh, my goodness. Right. There's some kind of a of a, a of a sense of that. Yeah. We know that. Ironically enough, that she there's a high possibility that she'll be back. Actually, back to back to the privacy center. Wow. So we want to when we do have a conversation with her and she mm. she has chosen abortion. Um, you know, our reflex, our our intuition is to right. weep right. and maybe even anger. Yeah. Um, we yeah. can have that natural reaction, right? Um, but we must choose love first and compassion mm-hmm. because it's done and we have to love her and let her feel that we care for her, that we will help her get through that healing um, for her to come back because otherwise we have to work with her to break the cycle of abortion because abortion can become a cycle. Right. It can yes. become a cycle. It cannot just be one abortion. It can be two yes. or three or more. I'd actually read the, the correlation between the, the number of people who have one abortion, who then go on to have successful abortions. Because right. the lifestyle that produces the first circumstance is, if it's not going to change, yes. it is, it's going to... Yes. So if we can, if yeah. we can get her, if she feels that this is a place that she can come and get love and care and that we care right. for her right. after the first, then we can, we can help her to find, she has already regretted that first one and we can get her counseling. Yes. Um, we have uh, Christian, licensed professional counselors. We have some Christian organizations that, We'll work with her to help get her what trauma is she, what is she going through that's causing mm. this so this does not become a repeated wow. um, a repeated offense. Yeah. So right? there you go again. It's 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 just this wonderful clear-headed recognition of what we we don't want to just be a church community that declares the content of mm-hmm. 
righteousness. We want to be a community that helps, by God's grace, to bring it about. And that might mean sitting down with, I don't know, tax collectors and sinners um, and saying, okay, well, how can we help you to see rightly the situation you're in and work through this and um, and maybe you yes. can hear the Saviour's voice and follow him instead of doing this crazy thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm very grateful for your time and you have a long list of people out there. To <laughs> You're supervising the work of lots of people. You've got a lot of clients. Um, just in the last minute or two, um, are there any other final things that you'd want listeners to this podcast to hear about um, what you're doing here um, ways in which we can pray for you. Anything, anything of that sort. Just, just a final word. Yeah. From you. Um, thank you for inviting me to be here with you. Um, I'm <laughs> That's just a real pleasure. So grateful yes. for prayers. Um, that mm-hmm. would be the number one thing that I would ask for the most is prayers. Um, we believe in the power of prayer, and mm-hmm. um, spiritual warfare is real. And um, you know, we're fighting. When you hear about pregnancy centers, um, we're under attack like crazy right. now more than ever since Roe yes. was overturned. Yes. Um, the, the way we've been vilified and just the, the whole, the agenda against pregnancy mm-hmm. centers is real. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't live in fear, but we also want to be aware. You don't, you, yeah, we right? should pray for you to be protected. Right. Yes. I've noticed that actually, especially in the wake of Dobbs, that the kind of renewed assault by the abortion providers yes. on institutions like yours. Yes. And, and the, the, the depiction of them in the mainstream media, oh, yeah. uh, uh as though you're the ones being disingenuous, yes, right? Right, right. <laughs> you're the ones actually giving the information yes. and showing, uh, hey, you, you've got all these options. We can help you have the baby. We can help you raise the yes. baby. We can find a man to talk with your husband. We yes. can help you explore adoption and fostering. Mm-hmm. Like, here are a bunch of options. Right. We're the ones telling you the truth. Yes. And it's just wonderful. Yes, right. Yeah. And, they, and, it, and it's just, the, it, it's flat out lies is what they say about us, right? Yeah. It's the yeah. exact opposite. Of what you're doing. What we're doing. So in some ways we need to, um, I mean, pray for us. Um, but then you had talked about um, mm. men and women who have this zeal, passion, right? Zeal. But then yeah. there's also the opposite of apathy, right? right. There's right. also people who don't even, don't... they're not even connected to right. what's going on in that, mm. right? And so my, my heart for them is yeah. to be engaged and even talk with their friends and their family about um, what that looks like and really what pregnancy centers do and how we really truly do help because there is so many lies out in the media and Mm. social media, right? Like crazy. So even helping spread the word of what we do. Mm. Um, If there's anyone who needs a pregnancy test or pregnancy services, right? right? right, It's it's for anyone. So even anyone in in churches that they're not in that situation, but maybe they do need to come in and get an ultrasound. We're here for them as well. We're here for, for anyone. And, uh, you know, we, we're just, we're grateful. We, we do have a, an upcoming fundraiser event on November 3rd. And, um, you know, I'd love for anyone who would love to come to that. It's a dinner and you would get to hear a wonderful speaker and just get more information about what's going on now. What are the laws looking like? What, what is, what's life like now after Rome? Yeah, and yeah. so there's a lot of information and it is a fundraising event as yeah. well. Well, that's wonderful. So, you know, as, as it happens, um, both Pastor Neil and I and our wives, um, his wife, Denise, my, my wife, Nicole, are going to be there. We received this invitation and we thought, well, so that's exciting. just really wonderful. And um, I'm going to try and get this podcast out as soon as we can. We've got a couple more in the pipeline, but this one I think we should get out soon. Oh, that'd be great. And, um, yes. And um, I will be um, 
looking forward to hearing more from you. I get your your uh, weekly prayer emails. Yes. People can sign up for that. Yes. Um, we're going to include some information in the email that we send out to church members. If people wanted to volunteer yes. to serve here, uh, men or women in principle, um, I think probably it's the case from what you were saying that yes. um, uh, the, the most zealous men might need to just pause and think and let's let's work through how this ministry works. Right. But there's a lot of space for men to do great work, right? Counseling mm-hmm. yes. fathers and, yes. and partners and husbands. Right. Um, and we'll be praying for you. Thank you. Thank for you so your time. much. Yes. Right. And if anyone can call me. Just call the All pregnancy right. center and I'd love to talk with them. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Delilah. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right.